Hi, everyone, and welcome to EHS On Tap. I'm Chris Saplensky. Unfortunately, we're all well aware that workplace violence is a threat. We see in the media in what feels like a constant reporting of incidents across the country, and it's become a regular topic of conversation in the workplace. Employers know that they need to take steps to prevent it, but how exactly to get ahead of the curve is a challenge. Active shooter and other workplace violence incidents vary by environment, motive, and perpetrators, but there are common threads that can be used to create a solid safety program and effective employee training. Although it can be difficult to engage employees in such training, it is essential to empower the workforce to prevent and respond to critical incidents. On today's episode of EHS on Tap, we discuss how to create and launch successful critical incident training with Jay Hart, Director of Force Training Institute. In his role, Jay leads a team of first responders, anti-terrorism, cybersecurity, defensive tactics, and crisis management specialists, and works with a variety of companies on creating and implementing active shooter mitigation programs and emergency management response plans. Jay, welcome to EHS on Tap. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. There are so many variables to take into consideration when it comes to determining a company's training needs, physical space, the type of work performed, etc., that training can't be a one-size-fits-all approach, correct? So how should a company evaluate its training needs? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So, you know, each company is obviously very different in what their main goal is. And when we come in to help companies, a couple things we look at is, first, what is the culture of that company? Okay. Um, you know, workplace safety program has to be or should be as a best practice approach seamlessly integrated into your current culture. Um, you know, you can see a company that is in retail and they're at a large mall. So the risk for this type of, of uh, active shooter event or workplace violence might be a little bit higher than if it was in a company that is in a warehouse and they make uh, parts for vehicles and they're not open to the public. So you, you take that risk into it, but you also look at what is the culture. Uh, for example, one company that has a really great training program and whose employees understand risks are like outdoor companies. Most of their employees are rock climbers or mountain bike riders and they already understand risk. And you can have a different conversation as you integrate these safety principles into their culture. And then you might take a different approach if you're dealing with a company that's mainly a manufacturer and they have machinery and they're doing that type of work. So the okay. first thing we look at is what type of culture do they have, what's their experience with risk, and then how do we take these safety principles and seamlessly integrate them into that company's culture. Great. Um, and addressing workplace violence is a really sensitive subject, as we know, and so I can imagine employers would be hesitant to bring it up and therefore reluctant to perform training. What advice do you give employers who feel uneasy with this topic? This is probably the biggest uh, initial challenge that we continue to see. Wow. Is everybody understands that it's important to have some type of training program for workplace violence and active threat, but they also understand 
that this type of training is very easy to do wrong. And we can see examples, you know, if you do a search on the internet, of companies that had good intentions on trying to implement some type of active shooter training, and actually what they end up doing is scaring employees. Um, and so we always want to move employees towards safety and empowerment and away from focusing on fears that you could focus on very easily doing a training program around uh, violence or active shooter. So what we really do, and what I think what's important for a company to sit back, especially for the executive staff, is this issue about addressing workplace violence. At its core is a leadership issue. Because the real question is, what skills and knowledge do you want to give your employees ahead of time before something bad happens? And then how do we do it in a way that empowers those employees and makes them feel safer and gives them confidence instead of fear? So what we'd like to say, a simple formula for success when it comes to this challenge is knowledge increases confidence, confidence increases decisiveness, and it's decisive action in a critical time that saves lives. Great. So how frequently should this type of training be held, and how would you suggest refresher training be conducted? So when it comes to the frequency of training, what we like to really recommend is the training that you implement for active threat workplace violence. There is the type of training program you already have in your organization. So what we usually see is we would like to take those stakeholders in the organization that are in places of leadership, like management, that's really that go-between your employees and executive staff, and give them uh, at least yearly in-person training if we can. Uh, because that's, those are the people in management and your supervisors that are going to be able to be in those positions, especially for detecting workplace violence or domestic violence, which oftentimes follows employees into the workplace. For your normal workforce, we usually like to see it integrated into some type of online training, which is usually the easiest, to get that refresher information out to staff to keep the dialogue going and their awareness about these types of issues. And what we're really talking about, when we're talking about workplace violence, we're looking at how do we treat people inside the workplace. Bullying okay. is an issue inside the workplace. And once again, too, domestic violence follows people in. So most companies, through their human resources, have some type of program set up like that, and we recommend you just add on the workplace violence component into the system you already have in place. That's great information. Thanks. Um, and do you suggest having a plan in place on how to respond to a workplace incident after it's over uh, in terms of helping employees cope in the aftermath of an incident? Yeah, so when it comes to a lot, and this is such an important point you brought up. So a lot of times people will feel, let's just, you know, let's just do our training program and then we're done. But yep. a huge component of a workplace violence, and we like to say workplace safety, because we want to focus on safety more than violence, a workplace safety program, is you want to make sure that your company is defensible. Um, when an act of violence like that happens in any type of company, there's also going to be some sort of litigation and there's going to be some investigation into what type of training did we provide okay. to the employees, if any, at all. So we recommend that in addition to the training, we make sure that the policy mirrors the training that's given. And then secondly, we have an after-action plan 
on what to do to take care of employees during this type of incident. This is a, you know, active shooter incidents, workplace violence, are still extremely rare, but they are increasing uh, throughout the United States. And it's important that we remember that it's not just the incident itself where bad things happen, but there's a huge emotional toll to our employees that are involved in this type of crime. The reality is that after a real workplace violence incident, some people can't even come back to work. Right. So we want to have a plan in place to get them the psychological help they need. We want to make sure that in our plan it outlines how we're going to work with local law enforcement. We also want to talk about our strategy with our public information officer and how we connect with the media when they start inquiring right. about what happened at that incident. That, and that, so the tragedy just doesn't stop when the shooting's over and the police arrive. Right. It continues for days after and even weeks. So that's such a critical part to have, have uh, planned out ahead of time. How about um, other external um, uh, audiences like customers or interaction with them? Is there any sort of, do you have any um, suggestions about how that gets addressed in training? Yes. So especially, you know, this is obviously a huge issue for people in the business uh, companies that have contact with their customers, like at a large store or shopping center, right. is what do you do when there's customers there? And, you know, as a commitment to safety for an active shooter incident, we need to address for employees. Predictable questions are going to come up during this training. And one of them from your employees is going to be, what do we do when we have customers and there's an active threat going on? So I'm going to get my broad brush here because you obviously internally in your company, you want to work with your legal team. But as a general rule across the nation, uh, what, you're, what, you're, what we see is this. As, employee, as, as employees, we're not going to tell customers, you are not free to leave our store. Right? We're not going to hold people against their will. Exactly. But what we see in reality is when these active threat incidents happen, the customers are looking for leadership. And a lot of times, they come to your company, they come to your store because they trust your brand, and they're going to look to your employees on what to do during this type of critical incident. Hmm. We've had several companies that we've dealt with um, where during active shooter incidents in malls, the customers have looked at the employees, employees have been trained, they've said there's an active threat going on, we need to move to safety, come with me, and we're gonna, we're gonna get you to a safe place, and it's worked. There's been times where, um, I know one specifically that happened in Oregon, where one of the customers inside the store said, hey, I wanna leave, I wanna go see my husband. And the manager there said, we need to keep you safe. We can keep you safe here. If you leave, we can't let you back in. Why don't you stay here, call your husband, and let him know you're okay. So we, you definitely want to address that in your training program on how you deal with customers. Remembering that if those customers want to leave, they are definitely free to do so. But we recommend that if you unlock your store and let people out, you then lock it and don't let anybody else back in until law enforcement arrives because these situations are just so dangerous, rapidly evolving, and it's hard to determine who's trying to come to the door next. Wow, that's, that's great advice. There's just so many facets to this, and you've uh, given our audience a lot of uh, food for thought um, when it comes to pl you know planning for their training. Um, do you have any other uh, final takeaways for employers who – want to provide their workers with uh, critical incident training? You know, the, the biggest takeaway uh, that 
that I could share with your audience is that this type of training is challenging, but it's essential for people to have before something happens. And here's the reality. When we, what we call this type of training, we like to refer to it as the gift of safety. Okay. We're going to give your employees, you're going to give your employees the gift of safety through good risk awareness and risk reduction strategies. And the reality is that after that training, your employee is going to have more awareness and be safer than other people that haven't had that training. And that's going to be helpful for me when my family's at a mall and your employee who's been trained knows what to do. Yeah. And we recommend that when you give this gift of safety to your employees, you have them share that with their family. So we've just taken a training program for your company and have expanded it double just by them sharing this information. And as a nation, as a community, as states uh, all across the United States, this is how we become safer and really kind of stand up against these types of threats by sharing the gift of safety with our people, empowering them, not scaring them, and giving them the confidence that they need so if they see something, they say something, if they hear something that doesn't sound right, they say something to the right person, and this is how we can stop these types of violent acts from continuing. That's terrific advice. Thanks so much, Jay, for providing our audience with these helpful tips. Thank you. And thanks for listening, everyone. For EHS on Tap, I'm Chris Saplensky.